Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 210. It's brought to you this week by our sponsors, Away, Pingdom, and Molecule. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my co-host. I have Mr. Federico Vitici. How are you? Ciao, Stephen. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm glad you're here with us. And of course, we're also joined by Mike Hurley. Mike, hi. Ciao, Stephen. How are you? <laughs> Deja vu. Don't, don't copy me. <laughs> well, that's what I do now. I just say everything you say. I'm older, and I could get confused easily, so please please behave. We have a, a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, sometimes in these Apple news cycles, there's like a week of in-between, so they announce stuff last week, but stuff doesn't ship till the end of this week or next week or even further in the future, so we're kind of in-between, but in the fall, that often means uh, software releases, so we're going to talk a lot about software today, but first we have some follow-up, and there was... I don't want to say that the listeners tried to hold a mutiny, but it's, but the listeners tried holding a mutiny over our our scoring of over your Federico's. tyranny, over your tyranny, because this is not fair. You made fun of me. This is what happened. You made fun of me, and I was right. And the people, rightfully so, the people got upset. You weren't right. So we should back up a second. We graded our predictions last week, and somehow we still have a podcast after... <laughs> Listeners don't know, unless you're listening live, I cut a lot of stuff out of the final episode. It really got out of hand. But you had Federico a prediction. No, no, that it was in Italian. Not true. And not true. I, not true. That's not true. No, it's no, not no, true. No, no. He used so many hand movements, he knocked his microphone off the table. How would you know? Do you have cameras in my bedroom? No, I heard the me? sound. Yes. Sure. Okay. <laughs> you had a prediction that I work... Would, would receive uh, uh, an update, and it did, but the predictions were about the event, not about what Apple would do uh, in the meantime. So what I'm willing to do, A, because it's not going to cost me my victory, uh, but B, because I, I want to try to heal this rift, this, this transatlantic rift we have in our podcast, uh, I'm willing, if Mike is willing, to grant you a half point, because... You were right, but you were wrong in the sense that it didn't fall within the purview of the event. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm willing to give you a half point, and I think maybe that that should that's a nice compromise that you are rewarded for getting something right, but you're not rewarded fully because you weren't fully right. Is that fair? Do you also get a punishment for making fun of me? No, no punishment. Just just a half point. No, no, I can't. You can't punish yourself. I will accept it. Thank you. Thank you. I don't agree that's... with it. I don't agree with. The Wait, half what? Point. You you I don't, don't agree, agree with it. No. Oh my god. Oh my god. There are no half points around here. <laughs> this is not this is not upgrade. This is not the draft. This is a different <laughs> system. This is a this is a Yeah, uh, this is a system where points can be awarded randomly for things that happen this si- is a significantly si- after the predictions point. Mike, so Federico plug your ears for a second. Mike, I'm just doing this so he's not angry with us anymore. <laughs> I'm listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> you were asked to hold your ears. <laughs> I want I want people to remember, to go back to the previous episode. So re- re-listen to the old episode. And the reaction that these two had to my suggestion that iWork should get shortcuts in iOS 12. They thought it was a crazy idea. And no, let no. it be known, no, no. No, support no, 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 for no. shortcuts in iWork is terrible. But still, uh-huh. it's I have there. no problem with the specific pick. My problem... What I thought was funny <laughs> is that they would devote any time during the iPhone keynote to talking about iWork updates. That was what I was ridiculing. Well, to be fair, they talked about the, you know, what, what was the name? 
home court and um, mm -hmm. the other yeah. uh, Galaga. With, but they're not going to bring out a famous writer to show how pages works. They want to bring out a basketball they player. Could, I don't know. I could see J.K. Rowling on stage showing pages and shortcuts. Like That would that would have been awesome. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> there you go. You've got next year's prediction set. So I have not. Uh, I just skimmed this article. I don't use iWork on a regular basis. What can you do now with Siri shortcuts in uh, in iWork? Uh, it's kind. Of, it's really not great. Like mostly, uh, you you quarter can just, point quarter you point. Can just, no, no, there's no take backs. That that half point is mine. Hang on a second. We can't apply no take backs to this situation no, because I, by giving you the half point, we are quite literally taking it back. It's no take back. Take backs. Oh, oh that's not. a give back. Like my that. Mm. It's a, It's the opposite. Um, so. <laughs> This is stupid. Uh, the shortcuts in iWork are kind of terrible in that. Well, not terrible, just not really useful in that. They mostly allow you to just reopen uh, documents. They're really <laughs> not like actions. The only, I think the only action we could find was in Keynote. You can play a presentation. But like, don't expect super complex stuff like, I don't know, change layouts or apply modifications to text or all that kind of stuff. It's just reopen a document or reopen a template. That kind of, mm. that kind of okay. shortcuts. Yeah. I, I could see a world where I work or maybe even notes because notes has the table feature of like if I have a, a chart or something like, hey, I just want to add a new entry. You know, some basic data entry stuff. Maybe that'll come. Oh, should have been in the keynote, though. That's all I'm saying. <sighs> what is earth-shattering is that the HomePod, as discussed, now supports multiple timers. So I recorded myself speaking to my HomePod. If you haven't listened to this, I will warn you, this will set off your HomePod. It will add timers to your HomePod. But I cancel the timers at the end of the recording because I'm looking out for you, dear reader and listener. That is very conscientious. I know. I'm a nice yeah. guy. More or less, this works like the Echo. So you can set multiple timers. You can name them. Uh, and you can ask the HomePod, hey, how much time is left on you know this timer or that timer? But this really, again, draws attention, for me at least, to the fact that Siri is so different on all of our devices. So the HomePod does this, but the iPhone does not. So if you have a timer running on the iPhone on iOS 12 on the public release... It says, a timer is already running. Would you like to replace it? Um, no, I don't want to do that. But it's even worse on the Apple Watch. If you have a timer running on watchOS and you ask to set a new timer, it overrides the old timer. <laughs> this blows it away and sets a new one. So mm. I, I wish Apple would. And this is great. It's on the HomePod. I'm glad it is. But these sorts of things should be the same uh, everywhere, I think for, you know, Siri still feels like it is limited based on the hardware it's in. It doesn't feel like it's this, it's this all powerful being that sort of is across multiple devices the way I think it should. So I'm hoping that Apple continues to make it more feature complete, no matter what particular piece of hardware you're speaking into. Hmm. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense that you would launch this feature, but just make it exclusive to the thing that not so many people have. Um, mm -hmm. And it's this is the the big problem of Siri. Like we see this problem all the time that it's inconsistent. And mm -hmm. while on one hand we do praise the fact that Apple is able to integrate the software and the hardware together, sometimes that's sort of also a liability in that the integration goes too far into the the problematic aspect of this that it only works on one specific device. So well, it's like they integrate it really well 
with one device, but the devices don't integrate together. Right, yeah. like, and th- this is this is part of the issue that people have with Siri and why like Siri is considered bad is because inconsistency breeds unreliability, and unreliability means you don't trust it, and that's why we get into these situations. So apparently, uh, the decision has been made on how the iPhone names are being written. This has been a problem that many people writing about uh, the iPhones over the last few weeks have had. Is it capital S's, uh, lowercase r's? What is, how does it work? Joe uh, Rossigno of Mac Rumors says that Apple confirmed to him that it is capitalized and the two letters are put together unless small caps are available. I mean, I don't really know why people would typically like do people have small caps lying around like i don't really get that but yeah um, i got a i got a bag of them here got, in the got door. a bunch of small caps right here just in case i need them so that's it right it's x capital x capital s put together capital x capital r put together it's, it's strange and apple have actually since confirming this updated a bunch of their materials to try and rep like replicate this everywhere to to clear up a lot of the inconsistency that's been floating around apple.com this is my kind of problem, right? I still don't know, for example, in iOS 12, whether I'm supposed to use lock screen with a capital L or lock screen with a lowercase L. Um, and I mentioned this I because... I can never I, remember if lock screen and home screen are two distinct so words or one in word. Theory, so, two words, first word is capitalized. Um, that's the way it used to be. And if you it check the Apple... That doesn't make any sense to me. It's the lock screen yes that's the way that apple that's the way that apple styled it and people when i complained about this on twitter this summer people gave me a hard time like why do you care because i want to be precise like uh it's one of those things that like uh, would you get upset if instead of calling you mark i would call you marcus it's kind of similar but it's not the same it's not your actual name uh apple has a style guide that you can find on the web it's uh help.apple.com slash apple style guide um It was last updated in May 2018, and it still says that you're supposed to use lock lock screen with a capital L uh, when using a sentence. Um, But in iOS 12, in some places, uh, the system uses lock screen with the lowercase L. In other places, it uses the old version. So this is one of those things that drives me crazy. Uh, In my review, I went with lowercase L because I I heard from a few people that that's the new style, even though the style guide still hasn't been updated. Um, This is one of those things that really, really I I think about because it, it, it makes me itchy in a way that... I I need to make I need to know that <laughs> the way, way to describe it. that the like way it. that that couple of words are in my articles are precise because I hate it when people spell things wrong or write things wrong and I say this as the guy whose name is always typed wrong in places on the internet so uh, yeah uh, would you say I, that you sometimes get vidtichi yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Mm. Mm. I'm so sorry. Mm. Where do I where do I put my resignation letter for this <laughs> podcast? You can you can fax it right to me. <laughs> oh my God. It, I mean, the joke I made in Slack was like, if you have to confirm with the press how you write your product names, your product names probably aren't very good. <laughs> I still struggle. Uh, the thing that really gets me is the the two capital letters that people are supposed to treat differently. So. I have been, we've talked about this, I've been a stickler for iPhone 10 uh, 
but I don't correct people in the real world because that makes you a type of person that I don't want to be, right? Like if you're, I don't want to be that guy. Yeah, you just internalize them, push those feelings down. Yeah, the, 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 what you want to do is push the feelings down as far as you can, as long as you can. Yeah. And they probably won't explode out the other end. But the, oh. uh, what oh, I'm kind of coming to now is like, maybe Apple doesn't care. And like, I'm not going to say X because now 10 is just drilled into my brain. But like, I'm not going to get worked up if other people say it, even like on a tech podcast, because like Apple's naming is so screwy now. You know, every year... Mm-hmm. Like we talk about Apple's names being problematic for several years now. And every year I'm like, this is the year they're gonna fix it. And instead they find like the one possible way out of the the hole they've dug. But this year, like, I really don't know what's after this. Like it really feels like you've hit rock bottom and there's no way out of this for you. Uh and uh, you know, people who do this at Apple are super smart. They make lots of money to make these decisions, they're already thinking about it, they may already know it. But from the outside perspective, it's like every year, like Apple's just like slowly cutting off more and more doors out of this room. And now they're just stuck with 10S Max. <laughs> There's no way out. Now that I think about it, it's kind of funny that the same company found a solution to fix this problem elsewhere. So the same company that does A10, A11, A12, W1, W2, W3. Like, they use letters and numbers, and when the numbers get ridiculous, they use another letter. But with the iPhone, they just couldn't do X1 and X2 and X3. Like, that would have been so simple. It would have been cool, too. Like, the iPhone X2, that sounds like a cool phone. (laughs) Exactly, but no, they need to do this 10... Also, it's the company that went with Mac OS X point something name <laughs> right it's like you didn't really have to look incredibly far to work out what could come after you 10 know, at this point right? like, kinda, it wasn't that hard at this point I'm, I'm starting to believe that that the joke from wwdc you know with the marketing team and uh, and uh, and the weed is kind of true like how can you even think of these names <laughs> I don't think well, that's maybe a joke. they didn't. They didn't have enough when coming up with these names. <laughs> yeah, this is their sober names. They've cleaned this up. So and this is what they're left with. So last week, uh, Federico put, played the question, which is a good question of what is the future problem by buying the 10R? Right, like what is what is Apple right. skimping on that could end up being a problem in the future? And there's been some filing with uh, the Chinese Ministry of in- uh, Ministry of Industry and information technology, which is like the Chinese version of the FCC. So Apple has to register information with them to get uh, cellular approval. And it turns out from these filings that it would appear that the 10s and 10s Max have 4 gigabytes of RAM, and the 10R has 3 gigabytes of RAM. There's also some battery stuff, but that's, you know, I don't think that is as as imperative, I think, but the, uh, the, the that's what it is. So it does have a, a gigabyte less of RAM, which is what you predicted. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a difference. I don't think it's a huge difference for now. Um, yeah, the ten's got three gigs of RAM too. I mean, it's it's not like it's out of line. I don't think. Oh, for sure, yeah. for sure. But it was the point. You know, it's enforcing the point that you made of like, it will be fine now. Yeah. But like in two years' time, it could make it run worse, right? Like, oh, what yeah. is the future problem you're buying into? So that was the oh, point yeah. that you were making. Yeah, yeah. And this kind of info, it just shows that there is something, the three gigabytes of RAM is gonna is really going to get you for quite a while. I think especially because the next, I would say at least two versions of iOS will also have a stability focus on them. You know, like I just yeah. think that's going to continue for a while, so you're probably going to be good. 
And, yeah, and two, if you think about the iPhone 6 Plus, which had, I think, a gigabyte of RAM and it had the big screen, it really struggled, and then Apple went to two gigs and it was better. The, the 10R is, uh, it's got that lower res screen, like we talked about. It's still a good screen. Everyone had hands on, still thinks it looks great, but it is lower resolution than the, uh, the new 10S and 10S Max. And so, that that may balance the RAM for you know it may be in practice it doesn't matter if it had three or four that three is like balanced with the system so I think the idea that like if you buy a 10R like I don't think it's going to age any faster than any other iPhone I Mm-mm. think it's going to be just fine no but it's more just like it will age faster than the tennis right like sure sure in theory in theory potentially I don't know I mean it is worth mentioning as well you know you you're talking about like the screen the 10R has a lower resolution and lower pixel count than an eight plus. So it's uh, an eight plus is four hundred one PPI at nineteen twenty by ten eighty, yeah. and the ten R is seventeen ninety two by eight twenty eight at three twenty six PPI. Even though the screen's bigger, it's really interesting. I am really keen for the reviews to see what people say like about that screen specifically over long mm-hmm. periods of time. Also, I read and we're going to talk about iPhone ten reviews, but I'm looking at the page now. I thought it was funny. These aren't planets; these images they're bubbles. Did you see that? You yeah, know the images yeah. that they're using they're not bubbles. planets; they're soap bubbles. Or oil bubbles or whatever. Planets are just bubbles of rock, really. If, or gas. Whoa, man. Whoa. I have a space podcast. I don't know who I'm talking have you about. Been, have you been spending time with the Mac naming team? Yeah, we're just... <laughs> uh, we're ready. We're just uh, we're just floating, floating down the river together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It may be that the 10R is, in practice, the fastest phone of these three, right? It's got the same processor. It has a little less RAM, but a lot less pixels to push. Yep. It may, And it's got a bigger battery. Yep. The 10R is like, like we talked about last week, the more I think about this phone, it is super interesting that in a lot of ways, this is the best phone this year from certain angles. Uh, and you guys know this because we, sometimes before I buy things and often after I buy things, I have what I like to call... Uh, a Stephen moment. Doubt. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and uh, you always do this every year. You have every a thing. Time. Every, every time. single time. And uh, it's yeah, so you guys, predictable. You guys know this because I don't share this on Twitter, uh, but I share it with, with y'all. And this year, the thing was, I even talked to Jason about it. I Because, like, these guys know me. Jason knows me pretty well, but, you know, we've done a show together for 22 years. So I'm going to run it by Jason, too. And I said, I, I have this thought that, like, all the podcasters are going to buy the 10s or the 10s mm-hmm. Max, right? Like the people who are going to upgrade, who do this for a living, are going to do, th- and that's fine. That's great. I did it. I bought a 10s Max. But like, what if it? Like, would it be interesting to to live on a 10R for a year? Like, a I could spend half the money and I could get a phone in blue, um, and just kind of like see how that goes. And uh, basically, everyone talked me out of it. And Mike, no, I think I'm trying to find it in iMessage. You were like, you 100% would return it in December and then buy a 10S yeah. Max, because this is which the is thing. true. Yes, that would be super interesting as a thing to do. Someone should and could do this. You are not that person. Because you do this all the time. Like, if you could just go back through the history of this show and just see how Steven's iPad has grown and shrunk over that period of time. Yes. Or like my you, MacBook Pros. Uh, I haven't yep. done it with my desktops, but that's like serious big boy money, so you don't get the option. You did do this with desktops because you were g- you were like dead set on buying a refurbed Retina iMac, and you bought an iMac yeah, Pro. Instead. I did do that, and then I did return it. But you you also this is tried, what you do. You're a you flip flopper. 
you also lived for several months without an iPhone a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. That. I did. So, in, if I uh, this remember is not correctly. 2011 or so? Yeah. This is yeah, like, right. you know, you, you, your friends just, just know you. We know you and we can help you. I understand you get, you get like, excited about things, but, you know. You're, you're, you're a cold feet Apple blogger. That's who you are. That's good. <laughs> but, you know, I do think that someone, like, if you have a tech podcast, someone should have the 10R so we can talk about it. Like, uh, but I'm not that person. So if someone wants to jump on, jump on that, um, feel free to run with it. So uh, we're going to talk about some other stuff, but I wanted to remind everybody, uh, we do this in September as a show. I do it on the site. The September is National Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. There are a couple of links in the show notes, and this chapter has a link in it. You can just tap it in something like Overcast and it'll open. Uh, St. Jude is a hospital here in Memphis, Tennessee that's, that treats children with uh, cancer and other catastrophic diseases. And uh, the kick here is they do so without charging the families a dime. So my son has been a patient there for nine and a half years. He was diagnosed with a brain tumor as an infant. And he's doing great now. He's in third grade and doing homework and running around the backyard and playing with the siblings. He's doing really well because of the work that St. Jude Causing does. trouble. Causing tr- some trouble. Not a lot of trouble, but sometimes. <laughs> a healthy amount of trouble. Yeah, he uh, he wants to do what I do when he grows up. Like he he like wants to talk about technology, which is really cool. This that is the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. It I is. Love that um, yeah, think about that. He'll talk about old iPhones. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna save <laughs> my it? iPhone 10 so he can oh, have in his can collection. Teach him. You can teach him so much. I know. So this is the difference between the G3 and the G4 in these various <laughs> ways that no one cares about. <laughs> think how Anyways. much better than you he could be. <laughs> oh yeah, no no doubt. So. He said nine and a half years of treatment, chemotherapy, surgery, lots of stuff, and they've never charged us a dime. And that's incredible because it's millions of dollars of care. So every September, I donate all the revenue from 512 Pixels to St. Jude, and I urge listeners of the show and readers to join me in that because uh, it's a really special place that treats kids. We've met kids from like literally all over the world. We met a family from South Africa, from Japan, all over Europe, all over the United States, come to Memphis for treatment because it is the place on the planet that can tackle these issues the best. So I appreciate you. Thank you so much if you have done this. And if you haven't, like I said, there's a link in your podcast player. I'd really appreciate it if you would go check it out. Fundraising page is at $16,372 right now. I think it would be very amazing if we hit the $20,000 goal before next week's episode. And to do that, it's all on you, connected listeners. Um, You're all incredible. You're amazing. Uh, Show how amazing you are by by throwing some money to St. Jude. All right, should we take our first break? Yes. Mm -hmm. Today's show is brought to you by Away, a team of thinkers, seekers, and designers who make smart premium suitcases. They believe your luggage doesn't have to cost more than your plane ticket and that it should have a bunch of amazing features in it too, and that's what they do. They give you a battery embedded into the carry-on case. Isn't that incredible? When you buy an Away suitcase, you will get a battery right there so you can charge all of your devices when you travel. Both sizes of the carry-on feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge, and what's more, it pops right out of the case so you can take it with you wherever you go. When you get to your destination, you can just pop it out and then you've got a battery with you for the whole trip because everybody always uses their devices more when they're traveling because you want to get around and stuff. It's awesome. Go to awaytravel.com slash connected right now and you can browse away suitcases. They feature premium German polycarbonate which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance whilst remaining lightweight. They have 10 colors and 5 sizes. The carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large and the kids carry-on for the smaller travelers among us, which is the cutest thing in the world, and they cut out the middleman so you can get first class luggage at coach 
prices. Away suitcases have a patent-pending compression system, so you can stuff as much in you as you want in that case, and then you can just cinch it up and you're ready to go. If you're an overpacker, this is perfect. And they have four 360-degree spinner wheels as well, so it's super easy to move that case around. The, all of Away's carry-ons are compliant with major US airlines, and they have TSA combination locks built in. They also feature a removable washable laundry bag in their cases, so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. There are three Away suitcases in this household um, because we absolutely love them. They're really amazing. Uh, we use them for long trips. We use them for short trips. I love the battery, of course, um, but I also really love the washable laundry bag as well. That That's totally changed the way that I deal with laundry when I get home from a trip. Um, Away believe in the quality of their products, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they will fix or replace it for life. And they also have a 100-day trial with no questions asked return policy as well, with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the U.S. Travel smarter with the suitcase that charges your phone. To find out more about Away, go to awaytravel.com slash connected, and if you use the code connected at checkout you'll get twenty dollars off any of their suitcases that's awaytravel.com slash connected and the code connected for twenty dollars off our thanks to away for their continued support of this show and relay fm so federico you published your ios 12 review if you haven't uh read it dear listener there's a link in the show notes to it uh my advice is to read it on an ipad that is it's it feels like it's natural form um if you want to read it on like a iBook G4, I guess that'd be fine by me, but an iPad feels right. Uh, so Federica, I want to ask you, um, how'd it go? How has the reception been? How do you feel? Uh, kind of how's it been the last couple of days since you published it? Mm-hmm. Um, this is the best it's ever been, uh, both in terms and especially in terms of like how I feel about it and how it's actually doing uh, in terms of uh, visits and, and sort of the, the profit from the... Uh, because this is a huge investment for me in terms of like hours spent on the review. Um, I feel good about it because launch day this time was perfect. Like, uh, not a single issue. As I mentioned last week, uh, we had a new caching system in place, Um that we rolled out on the site last November uh, after the problems with last year. We rewrote the system completely and this year was perfect. Uh, every uh, When we released it, when we published the review, uh, we made sure that every page was cached um, before I tweeted about it. And so it's 17 pages, so we, we cached all of them and the... The performance on the site was really good, and I was happy that people told me they they spent uh, they they spent time on the first page of the review refreshing just to see the animation at the top with the with the with the iPhones and my emoji. Uh, there was an idea of uh, Sam Beckett, the is the designer is is an amazing designer. He's been working with me first with the iOS concepts, and then uh, providing these assets for the iOS 11 review and this year the iOS 12 one. And his idea of the iPhone uh, animation and the the animated Memoji inside of it uh, was really really well re- uh, received. I'm happy because the review is doing well. In terms of traffic, uh, we are well ahead of our previous. Um, milestones of uh, hitting a uh, 1 million page views in the first week. Uh, so judging, uh, as I shared last night, in 30 hours, we, de- uh, we did uh, 300,000 page views on the reviews, uh, which 
for a project that I essentially work by myself and for a website to kind of, you know, like Mac stories, we're not, we're not nine to five Mac. We're not, we don't have a staff of 20 people. We're not the verge. We're four people essentially. And this is, these are huge numbers, but most of all, the fact that people like the review, uh, people told me that like, it's it's easier to it's easier to read and it's not as uh, sort of overcomplicated by technical stuff as last year, but also the fact that people like the extras that we put together for Club Mac Stories members. So uh, there's the ebook that members get for free. There's a few shortcuts that I shared with members of the club. Um, like uh, toggle shortcuts and dark sky, a bunch of stuff. There's also a discount that they can get on the excellent audiobook version that Mike recorded once again. Uh, so people responded well to the idea of there's the review on the website, but also I can get more if I sign up. So overall, uh, and 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 I got tons of messages from from friends at Apple, people at Apple uh, about the review. It's funny because every engineer that I know uh, jumps straight to the to the chapter of the feature <laughs> that they worked on, and and they're always <laughs> like, every year I try to start from the intro, but when I'm there, I just jump straight to the to my yeah. stuff because that's, I want to. Sad news <laughs> for the guy who put the uh, I work shortcuts in. Uh, yeah, There's really, no iWork section. Really, really sorry. But overall, yes, and most of all, I feel I feel relaxed and happy. I'm not stressed. And in fact, I think it's the first time that after the review, I just want to go back to work because it's I'm fine. I'm doing fine. And Mike, you've read the ebook version, uh, ebook version, audio version again, right? Mm-hmm. I sure did. I don't, I'm not 100% sure why I decided to suggest to Federico to do this again because last year it was i'm really pleased that i did it but it was in places a bit of a disaster right for like a a selection of different reasons the biggest one was that i was recording whilst traveling so the audio i was unhappy with the audio and i spent something like 55 hours in total on the book last year which was significantly more than it should have taken, really. And, and it's because a lot of it was trying to fix audio. Um, and then, you know, the the launch wasn't as great. I mean, this Federico had the same thing, right? Like, it wasn't as great as we would have wanted it to be because there were problems. And it kind of left the thing on a bit of a down note, right? So I, w- I don't know why <laughs> I thought to myself in June, yeah, all right, I'm going to ask him if he wants me to do it again. But I did. Um and this time was much better. Um, it took 20 hours this time um, of work. It was much better. No, no significant issues. The only problem we had, which was I, I was very annoyed about this, um, was when the shortcuts beta updated with a fix after the iOS 12 GM went out. So I'd finished. The book was all done. It was delivered with Federico. And then the shortcuts beta updated. I've never been more upset about something I want. So they added Dropbox support back in, which I was begging for. But when it happened, I knew that what I now had to do was re-record part and then remaster the book again. And with a three and a half hour logic project with thousands of edits in it, any change that I make could potentially break something else. So I'm always terrified to go back in again. Um, But nevertheless, there were no issues. 
and I'm happy to do it. This, this, this. If I can get uh, meta for a moment, this is one of the weirdest projects that I do because it's not mine. So, like, I spent all this time and effort and care on it because I'm very honored to be given the opportunity to do this. But it's so strange that, like, when it's done, it's fe- like it's Federico's work. It's not my work. And it's this weird kind of, like, feeling of I just hand it away and then it's, it's nothing to do with me anymore. It's, it's a very strange project, but I take great pride in being able to, to produce the audiobook because... I think about people like me who would struggle to sit down and and read it all in other circumstances. But this way, in like three hours, you can get the whole thing. And um, I I consider it a great honor to also be a part of what has, I believe, become a very important institution, which is the Federico Vitici Ivers 12 review. So getting to play a part in that, no matter how small, is a is a it's something that I hold very dear, but it is very unique to me in it being this project that I create that really is not mine in any shape or form, and it's, it it makes it quite unique. So, mm, thank but thank you, you Federico, no, for including me again. <laughs> no, it's uh, thank you for for being part of it, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I. I struggle to think of it as an institution, as you said, like as a as a thing. Well, you Even shouldn't. Though, Everybody uh, else can, but you shouldn't. Uh, I I like that it's sort of become that type of event. Even though it's a huge responsibility, like when you make something on the internet and people like it, and you do it a couple of times, and uh, that's fine. But if you do something and people like it, and then people expect it to continue to exist every year especially for this kind of project it becomes mm-hmm. it's it's hard to balance it in a way that it doesn't become something you hate um especially for because it's, it's a lot of pressure it's, it's a, lot of pressure. a lot of pressure and 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 i was talking to john syracuse actually a few years ago about this uh it becomes something that fully absorbs you and and your family and your summer and it happens in a moment of the year when like your friends want to go to the beach and, you know, people just want to hang out together because maybe they're on vacation or something. Like, it's it's the type of project that can make you regret signing up for it. But at the same time, it's so rewarding to... And, 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 and it's precious, I think. And, it's, and I'm lucky to be able to have this kind of opportunity that I have, you know, people waiting for it. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, the fact that sort of people te- you know on twitter they ask me what time are you publishing the review because i, I want to be able to coordinate i'm like this is not a job <laughs> don't worry about it like you can read it later but i get it i get it why people want to do this and it's amazing and so i'm really grateful for to to anyone who actually spends time on the site or in the ebook or listening to mike uh any any consumption uh, any medium is it's totally fine for me um and i'm just happy that this year has done well you know, no problems on the site. People just went straight to the intro and kept reading. So it was fun to put together. And I think you said something very nice, Mike, on Upgrade with Jason, about the fact that even more than the iPad last year, the shortcuts uh, chapter, it felt mine in a way that even though people identify me, it's more important. It's more important. I think it was more important for me uh, to, you know, sort of this sort of it's both uh, closing a chapter 
for the workflow stuff that I used to do, but also beginning a new one. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy. Federico's and, uh, conclusion to the shortcuts <laughs> chapter and the conclusion to the review itself, because they they kind of mirror each other. They are I I feel that they are your best little chunks of writing that you've ever done. Um, like I got I got goosebumps reading them, which was quite which was quite uh, that that also is really tricky. By the way, when you read something and you know it's good. And like when I'm reading it aloud and I'm like, I don't know if I did that justice. That's the hardest part. Like the amount of takes that I will do on something like that, because I want to make sure that I have gotten the point across in the way that it's been sent to me. So, but yeah, anyway, the, the review is amazing. You should go and check it out in whatever way you want. I recommend just buying the audiobook, uh, even if you don't want it, because you just should. It's a you should have a collection uh, of I have I have my my own little it's shelf. Like I open I opened iBooks. Yeah, and it's just all your stuff. <laughs> wow. it's just you, and then and then a collection of David Sparks stuff. So that's all. They're the only books that I have. iPhone and watch reviews have come out. Should we talk about like the iPhone reviews a little bit? All right, sure. There's a couple. So the ones that I have mostly consumed, I read John Gruber's review. Um, and I watched uh, MKBHD rev- MKBHD's review same, and The Verge's same. review. Um, they're, they're kind of like... And that's typically what I will do because I feel like it gives me a good spread of popular opinion, right? Because you've got kind of like someone who is mostly Android-focused but appreciates the iPhone. You've got The Verge who tries to play the middle. And then you've got uh, John Gruber who is obviously an iPhone person. It seems like the general consensus is that the camera improvements are really good, but people who have spent significant time testing everything still prefer the Pixel 2, which is exactly what I expected for the reason when Apple spoke about computational photography as one of the ways that they're making their photos better, my initial thought was, how can anybody beat Google if you're talking about machine learning being applied to photos? Like Google should be better at that, right? And if Apple can make something that's even close, then we're all good. You know what I mean? I think it's, we're at a sort of an inflection point in terms of like where Google and Apple are going with their camera stuff. Um, mm-hmm. In that Google is, I mean, fully embracing the cloud and processing the, in the in the cloud with their services and uh, with the Google Photos uh, features that they have. For, well, sure, like, but the Pixel 2 stuff is all on device. It's not in the cloud. This was yeah, something that John wrote in his review that was that was incorrect. Like, all, the processing no, to the it, photos to make the photos look good. I mean, I, I'm not saying you're saying this, but this is something that John Gruber said. Like, the, the Pixel's processing is happening on device like Apple's is. Yeah, but I was also uh, sort of um, talking about the photos, the Google Photos app with the the mm-hmm. way that you can browse your photos later, which is different from oh, actually taking okay. the picture. Mm-hmm. Sure, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think it. I struggle to imagine how Apple could match that type of sort of just prowess that Google has when it comes to applying huge chunks of machine learning. Like, this is what they do for... This is their business. And Apple's business is not like having a service that relies on machine learning. They sort of indirectly maybe rely on machine learning to sell their features. Uh, 
but you're not buying a machine, uh, you know, a, a web service entirely based on machine learning from Apple. You're buying a phone or an iPad or a MacBook. So Apple uses machine learning. Google, in a way, sells machine learning. That's the way that I try to think about it. Mm-hmm. And so it's why I think it's going to be challenging for Apple too. I mean, if, in, even if you just look at the Google Assistant and, and the Amazon stuff and Siri, that's sort of how you can frame the discussion of what's the computational photography uh, landscape like for Google and Apple. And I think unless something dramatic changes, I think that's where it'll end up in the next few years, that Google will always be ahead, just even a couple of steps, and Apple will be playing, you know, will be playing catch up with them. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a camera expert, but as well... Well, it's it's just because it's changed, right? When it was all about the hardware, exactly, Apple was ahead forever. And then when things started to change, when when you know a couple of things changed, Samsung got really good at making camera hardware as well. All right, so that started to push them forward. Um, and then Google came in and got better than absolutely everyone at processing these images. You know, and and if, I'm very keen to see what happens with the Pixel Three. Like, how good is that going to be? Um, apparently, the smart HDR mode is. Uh, um, is amazing. So I've seen yeah. some pictures being shared. Jonathan Morrison, who runs the TOD Today YouTube channel, he tweeted the best example I've seen of this, where he's taking a selfie with the sun behind him. It's like, incredible. <laughs> I don't know how they're doing this. It, the smart HDR looks really, really promising. Yeah, it, it's one of those things too. Again, like Apple has been building towards this and that, that's so much about what this phone is right it's taking where they are and it's making it a little bit better but the the hdr really started like you remember in the beginning it was something you could turn on or off right like and and most of the time i think a lot of people left it off in the beginning because it, it was sort of not great and over time as the phones have gotten faster and the sensors have gotten better it has apple has become more confident in it and starting a couple years ago it was on by default and now it's just on all the time and now it's even better and it's just something that, you know, it's just one of those metrics you can look at from, you know, the iPhone 4 to now or the iPhone 5 to now and see how far they've come. And it, it, is this a reason to go buy a phone? No. But if you go, if the camera is the big driver for you, then this is something you should pay attention to. And I think I think for a lot of people, the camera is the driver. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday uh, we're talking about the new Apple Watch and just a, a local friend of mine. And you know, he was like, you know, is, is the smartwatch ever going to replace the phone? And I, I quoted uh, Marco's, I think, very wise words of don't bet against the smartphone. But the thing that came up in the conversation was like most people use their phone as a camera like all the time. And that's where Apple and Google and Samsung all spend a lot of time and attention to make that better. And that's one thing the watch will never catch up on because the watch doesn't have a camera. And even if it did, it would be weird and not what we want so this is a a big improvement i think if you especially if you do outdoor photography but it's one that i i think too is like we're going to find its limits we're going to find what works and what doesn't but i'm excited to uh, put it through its paces i thoroughly enjoyed um the technical camera portion of john gruber's review yeah because there was information in there that i haven't seen elsewhere you know, like talking about like this seems to be like a wider field of view that there is something different going on with the camera lenses and uh, like with the hardware. And I think that's being shown and like there's been some stuff floating around today about 
the the actual size of the camera module is slightly larger because some iPhone 10 cases don't fit the 10s in the camera portion or they're like super tight so there's definitely stuff going on there and it seems like Apple has done a lot more with the hardware than they gave away in the press conference like in the keynote which is kind of peculiar but I think it's because it's really difficult to explain what they do did and like it takes John Cooper quite a while to do it and I think he does it accurately like in a way that I can't sum it up for you right but there's a bunch of stuff going on in the hardware that that seems to be producing significantly better pictures in a bunch of different ways not just the smart HDR stuff it's it's fascinating to me why Apple didn't um talk about these numbers and the, the, the larger sensor for example on stage like Gruber makes a point that if you're selling camera improvements and you want to give out these details, uh, pro photographers are going to listen to you and they're going to understand. And there lies my question. Didn't they... Probably... It's, I think it's possible that they didn't share these details because they were too geeky and too nerdy to share, you know, with everybody watching the new iPhone stuff. Starting to talk about a larger sensor and, uh, you know, all those words that Gruber used that I... Like Mike, I I'm not able to repeat in a coherent yep. sentence. Um, the field of view one feels like something that they should like. Have I understand. More, I though. understand this. Yeah, exactly. Like, because you could say like, look at this picture with the iPhone XS. You can get more I, in the frame. And I need to say, and I gotta say that reading Gruber's review, I like from a writing perspective, it was super clever in how he showed the pictures. Uh, somewhere around yeah. like the beginning of the article mm -hmm. and then you keep reading and like multiple paragraphs later he says oh and by the way that those were shot from the same position from the same angle it's not like i moved like two steps behind and, and you go like oh <laughs> so you scroll back up and you look at the it's pictures the again <laughs> <laughs> it, it does raise a question mike your comment about you know does, does apple go into these details on stage and like, and that that's a question like I've I've pondered before, but I really felt it this time. Like, who are the events for? Like, you have obvious answers. You have tech press, and you have enthusiasts, right? People like us and people who listen to shows like ours. Past that, though, is where I really begin to wonder, like, how far these get into the world. So again, like my buddy I had lunch with yesterday, like he's into the iPhone. You know, he's he's got so he's had several Macs over the years, but he's not like he doesn't listen to any relay shows. He knows what I do and I'm his tech friend, so he asked me. Like I just wonder how like could Apple be nerdier in those segments and it be fine? Like if the if the public at large isn't watching, people's eyes won't glaze over. Like I just I, I don't know if there's an answer to that, but I kind of just think about that sometimes. I think the way that they rely on it is almost like pseudo word of mouth, which is exactly what happened in my household. I got the iPhone X. Idina wasn't really that f fussed. She was seeing the pictures I was taking and was like, why are they that good? I'm like, well, because of blah, 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 blah. She said, well, I want one. And I think that might be the way that they do, that they assume this stuff happens, right? People sharing pictures online, they're sending pictures to their friends with the new phones, and like, oh my God, this is such a good picture. Like, yeah, I just got the new iPhone. And then people are like, well, I need that new iPhone as well because that picture's really good. Because as well, like a lot of the photo stuff, as I was saying last week, you can't appreciate it in the, in the, in the keynotes, right? Like, because they're professional photos taken by professionals on my TV. So I, I can't even see the detail in them anyway because I'm looking at a camera 
which is taking video of a projected screen, right? Which is, it's all this like stuff that it's like there are so many layers of abstraction that it doesn't work. So I guess they just wait on people sharing pictures of each other and then everybody realizes the cameras are better. And if that's true, if it's like the word of mouth thing, then like, like you said, like Gruber is an excellent writer. It took him like five paragraphs to explain it. So like that doesn't mm-hmm. distill down into something you can easily share with a friend over lunch, right? It's like, oh, if the f-stop does this and focal length and like people's just their eyes fall out of their head. I think so, the idea is just like, yeah, this phone has a better camera. I think where where I get confused is that it's called it's called focal length, but then you talk about how like wide it is. It's like, is it long or is it wide? I don't understand. Yeah, it. all but, different things. They're all different things. Uh, and it's interesting because smartphones have taken photography and like made that stuff more mainstream. Like it is still confusing for a lot of people, but more people now know what that means than ever. And it's because like the iPhone has miniaturized all this stuff into something we have we have in our pocket, which is uh, which is cool. Like I, I like that people are excited about this stuff, but it's uh, you're right, it's kind of hard hard to talk about. And I think once we start seeing these things like pop up on Instagram, people will be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. look at what that thing can do." So portrait mode is apparently better. I mean, I'm seeing photos that look better than any portrait mode photo I've seen before, which is a combination of iOS 12's improvements and, I guess, the new iPhone's improvements and the neural engine. But, you know, it's not like it's perfect. It's still not perfect, and it never will be. There's always going to be bad examples, but the good examples are better than any of the good examples that came before. So, you know, if you like portrait mode, and I do, like, great. Uh, The new f-stop feature is awesome. It looks really fun. Like, this is where you can adjust the background blur. Um, says a couple of things on this. This will be live and like so. Right now, you take the photo and you can adjust it, but in a later version of iOS 12, this will be something you can do what in the viewfinder. And what it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the iPhone 10 cannot do this. But if somebody takes a photo with a 10s and sends it to someone. With an iPhone 10, the iPhone 10 can adjust it. Is that correct? The iPhone 10 can will not be able to do it live. We'll do it live. Um, it will not do that. <laughs> uh, uh, it sounds Reference like it, acknowledged. it sounds like it will be able to apply the effect uh, when you're just editing the picture. But in the viewfinder, yeah, like, but it can't take the picture no, either, though, right? No, it cannot take the picture uh, with the with the slider that will supposedly appear. I think uh, Matthew Panzerino shared this bit of information is, uh, on Twitter and in his review. Um, so it sounds like the iPhone XS will get the slider that in real time, when you're taking the picture, you will be able to change the whatever background blur is called. On every iPhone, there will be a software update, I suppose 12.1, that will allow you to apply the same effect after the picture has been taken. So the 10s gets the real-time um, addition as well. Right. Okay. Thank you. See, this, is very, this has been very strangely communicated, and it's very difficult. Uh, right? Only because, because, it's well. because we only have a tweet from Panzerino about this. So <laughs> It's the best way to, to, to get communication out mm-hmm. there into the world. Um, <laughs> Tweets. Moving away from the camera. So the general consensus is the Max is big, but it's not as big as you think, but reaching the corners will be tricky. I received my case. It's big. It's a Mm -hmm. big old, big old phone. This Mm -hmm. one, I'm very excited though. I mean, I, you know, look, it, it is going to I'm very confident that I'm going to love it in every way. I love the plus phone, but like the plus phone, it's going to come with some 
difficult parts, and it looks like getting to control center is gonna be a, something you just can't do without reachability anymore. Like that, that's just gonna be a thing that we live in our lives. Yeah, I'm a little nervous about it. I won't lie. I'm excited. I mean, I've got that nervous excitement thing going on because I just feel like it's just going to look so good. Uh, Face ID feels a little faster, but it's not monumental. It's an advanced Face ID, Apple says. It's not Face ID Generation 2, like Touch ID 2 was. It's advanced. Like, they're so bad with these names. Like, what are they going to call it next year? Advanced Face ID 2? Second Advanced Face ID? (laughs) Advanced Face ID 2 Super Advanced Face ID extra advanced so again to kind of sum it up sum it up with people's conclusions the 10s as an update from the 10 for most people is probably not going to give them that much you have to really care about photography to maybe want to go from the 10 to the 10s for most people However, you know, most people do not update their phones every year. So the 10s is an amazing phone for anyone coming from the 10 prior to the 10 because the 10 is a fantastic phone, right? If you want a bigger phone, the Max is a good choice for the same reasons that a bigger phone was always a good choice, right? So like if you like big phones, you're going to like it. Um, if you have a 6s or a 7, the 10s will be great, but so would the 10R probably. Like if I was a different person i would want to wait until the 10r came out if i was just going to get a 10s because again like we said this a million times nobody knows how the 10r is going to review yet and it can go one or two ways and it kind of is just like oh, okay it's slightly disappointing or oh my god don't buy the 10s that's how these reviews are gonna i think it's gonna be one of two um so we're gonna have to wait and see on that Today's show is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring super easy. Everybody loves a fast website, and Pingdom are helping to keep your favorite sites running smooth every single day. Companies like Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, Twitter, Relay FM, and Slack use Pingdom. They're some of the companies that trust them to take care of their website monitoring. Websites can get really complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts, and much more. And if any of these types of things break, Pingdom can let you know. Because they care about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, they want you to be the first to know in the way that you want to know. It's so easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL that you want to monitor and they'll take care of the rest. That is it. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and get yourself a 14-day free trial so you can see what Pingdom can do for you with no credit card required to sign up for that trial. And then when you sign up for a plan, which you should, because Pingdom's amazing, we use it and love it, use the code CONNECTED at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. So like any other iOS release. There are lots of third-party app updates coming this week. No doubt you've noticed uh, the App Store is busy, busy with updates. And we've picked out uh, several of our favorites. There are many more. Mac Stories is doing a really good job of logging them as they come out. Uh, I know, Federico, you and your team are just in overdrive this week. Uh, But I thought we could talk about some of these, and I thought we could talk about Overcast first. So, Mike, what's uh, what's new in Overcast? So, Overcast uh, 5 has a bunch of different things. I wanted to pick out three uh, of the top things. So my two favorites uh, is the new now playing screen. I absolutely love the design that Marco has come up with. It it kind of separates everything into these little cards. It feels really fresh. It feels like 
new iOS design, that kind of like maps inspired iOS design. I really, really like it a lot. Um, I like the way everything's been kind of re-engineered. I like the symmetry of all of the panels. I think it looks really good. And I love the tactics that kind of go along with all of that. It makes makes Overcast feel really fresh again. Um, it's interesting that it was just that change and it feels like a completely brand new app for me. The Siri shortcut support is extensive and excellent. Um, everything that I would want is in there. You can set individual Siri shortcuts to play specific shows or playlists or just to resume playing and to skip chapters and stuff. It's really, really good. I've been using it now a bunch because I found it to be the most reliable way to get my iPhone to play what I want it to play is to just trigger the Siri shortcut to do it. Um, and Whilst I don't use an Apple Watch, uh, I am aware that everybody's super excited about the Apple Watch app because it is a full Apple Watch app. Um, you can have shows sent to your Apple Watch and you can listen to them without the phone even needing to be around. So you could just take your Apple Watch out and you've got Overcast on it. You can go for a run and connect your AirPods. And it does the Marco does all of the encoding so you can get smart speed and stuff. It's super clever and it's really, really nicely designed. Um, I'm a big, big fan of the new version of Overcast. Yeah, it's really good. I'm, I really like um, the fact that you can use these shortcuts uh, both via Siri, uh, so you can invoke Siri and, and play any show, any show that you have or playlist, but also you can uh, use them as actions in the Shortcuts app, um, and you don't even have to actually see the shortcut. You can just run in the background and start audio. Um, and not only you can, can you create these custom shortcuts for uh, playing specific shows i don't know maybe you want to choose from a menu or something but you can also create personal shortcuts for um overcast features like i have a shortcut that let that lets me uh, use a widget to navigate chapters in a in an episode that i'm listening to in overcast because uh next chapter and previous chapter are shortcuts that the app donates to the system so the idea of i can ask siri and it turns out that it if you ask on the HomePod, Overcast now sends uh, an audio stream using AirPlay 1 to the HomePod, mm -hmm. which was not the case this summer with the previous version was, of no. the HomePod OS. The yep. Yep. Uh, so not only can you do that, but also you can create these custom shortcuts and use Overcast as actions. But they're not actions like the old-fashioned way that launch URL schemes and stuff. They run in the background and they either start audio or perform features like recommending an episode or navigating an episode, which is amazing. Up next, we have Google Maps. So one of the announcements with iOS 12 was CarPlay was having the ability to... Uh, I guess, host other mapping solutions. So before this, if you use CarPlay, you were stuck with Apple Maps, which it may be good where you are. It may not be good where you are. That's kind of the problem. That's why Apple's rebuilding it. Uh, but now Google Maps is in CarPlay. And uh, John Voorhees... Who? Ne never heard Did, of him. I think, his I think his French is John Voorhees. That's the way that you're supposed to say it. Yeah. Voorhees? Mm. Voorhees? <laughs> So he wrote up on Mac Stories uh, a little little article about Google Maps coming here. It seems like what you would expect, right? It's Google Map data in CarPlay. You can search. You can use your voice. Um, it has all your saved places. Like one thing that's nice about Google Maps is if you have something on the web, you can save it, and then it's in the mobile app when you open that. So all that stuff is here. Uh, so if Apple Maps is maybe subpar where you live or uh, the directions aren't very good, now you have an alternative, which I think is is really great. This should have been there on day one with CarPlay, and I'm glad Apple's finally gotten around to it. Uh, Federico, can you explain to the connected listeners 
why pcalc's um shortcut support is so good uh yes uh it's this is the way that I would like more developers to present uh, their shortcut support in iOS 12. So pcalc has a setting screen inside of the pcalc app where you can configure all of these shortcuts. Shortcuts in pcalc are different types of actions that you can take in the app. You have, for example, the ability to switch layouts or to copy a result to the clipboard, but also you can perform actual operations and conversions and functions. And the way that you do this, like when I first talked to James in June, he was like, I don't know how I can support shortcuts if I don't have, if I cannot have the users um, dictate a number to Siri. Um, Because right now you just run a shortcut. You don't give any input to the shortcut. So the system we came up with is um, you can either uh, read a number from the system clipboard or you can use a number that is currently stored in the Peacock app or you can use the variables that Peacock supports. And James came up with this uh, settings screen design where you have all the these lists of shortcuts and through a bunch of controls you can choose to Open the shortcut in the pcalc app. So after you summon the shortcut, Siri will just launch pcalc and perform the action. Or you can choose, there's a, an actual uh, control that says running background. So you can run the operation in the background and the data that you're dealing with can come from the system clipboard. So you can do stuff like the number that I currently have in my clipboard, the number that I just copied from numbers or Safari or whatever. Use this number and for example, convert this number from euros to dollars or you know from meters to feet, stuff like that. Um, and this is a, an extremely powerful idea because it means you can have these operations. Like you can copy a number, then just invoke Siri and 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 it, it gives you the result without having to launch pcalc. But also the way that you create these shortcuts is very intuitive and very, it's consistent with settings by Apple, but also sort of enhanced. I would actually love Apple to implement a similar design in the future where like, here's your shortcuts. Now you, if you want, you can customize the way that they work. I really like the way that it's done in Peacock. But also... Also, again, like I said, for Overcast, um, you can chain multiple pcalc shortcuts in the Shortcuts app. So it's not a super elegant solution. Again, uh, I also covered this in my review. Shortcut really needs a proper data flow, uh, like uh, giving users the ability to to pass input and actual ha- have an actual output from a shortcut. So right now it's kind of hacky, but you can do stuff like multiple clipboard actions and multiple pickup shortcuts, and you can change them together, and you can make a single longer uh, shortcut that, for example, and I have one of these on Mac Stories that you can download, given a single number, uh, give me back a bunch of uh, conversions in different currencies. So like, given 10 euros, give me the equivalent in pounds and US dollars and uh, another currency that I cannot, I don't know, Japanese yen, for example. So the idea of, again, you can use a single shortcut in Siri or you can chain multiple ones together in the shortcuts app. Um, 
And the way that everything is done in, in Picalc is actually kind of superior to the Apple system in that you can tap on shortcuts to add them to settings or you can just create a Siri phrase. I really, really like it and I wish that, you know, this... Should, this <laughs> James is going to hate me for saying this, but I think it should be an open source thing that other developers can implement. <laughs> It's really, really good. <laughs> oh, that's nice of you. All that work you did. Oh, just give it away for free. No, okay, don't do it. I, I totally get it. This is a competitive advantage for Peacock, but it's really well done. And I wish that more apps were like Peacock. So it's a compliment, not a request. It also has great iMessage stickers with, yes, with a panda that I love Pascal very much. Pascal the panda. I so. I, I, I don't understand the Siri shortcut stuff as much as I understand iMessage stickers. So... We also have Carrot Weather on the list. Uh, as you would expect from Carrot Weather, a big update here on day one uh, with shortcut support with a great visual shortcut. So you can set up Siri to say, you know, check the weather, check the forecast, and it will pull in graphics from Carrot Weather. So I have uh, Federico's morning routine, which I think you link to in your iOS 12 review. And I've tinkered with that and added uh, a couple things. And one of the things I added was. Um, carrot weathers like weather intent so i can say hey you know show me my day and it shows me my calendar and it shows me what the weather's going to be um it's really great there's also siri watch face support and watch os 5 i've not played with this yet um but I, i'm meaning to spend some time on the siri watch face to kind of see how that come how that comes together uh and there's support for the new watch as well so uh as always carrot weather is in this in this list of apps ready to go on day one Things has some really very impressive. You know, you're saying about um, Peacock has a really interesting way of creating shortcuts to be donated to the system. I think Things is another very different but also very impressive implementation. They've basically created a custom view inside of Things, mm -hmm. which allows you to build templates yeah. that get donated to the system as shortcuts. So you can pre-fill task names and due dates and project info or you can put clipboard in there and stuff it is a very very clever implementation yeah i really like the idea of and again this is a uh, something that apple i don't know how they feel about it but everybody's doing it and i kind of feel like it's too late at this point um the clipboard as a as a variable essentially every every developer of sort of productivity apps and utilities are uh, is doing this uh, using the the clipboard as a way to to get data into a shortcut and to get it out of a shortcut and the 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 way that it works in things i think it's really clever in that not only can you um, read like a line of text from the clipboard but you can also if you have multiple lines of text in the in the clipboard, you can choose to have the first line be used as the title of a task, and subsequent lines can either be used as the note field or as multiple items in a checklist. Uh, so that's really, really clever. And as, as per things tradition, uh, the design is very elegant, very intuitive. Uh, yeah, uh, the clipboard as a, as a variable, it's the, it's the shortcuts hack of 2018. Uh, you know, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. All the cool kids are doing it now. The cool kids are doing it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like an app up there. So they've got shortcut support and it's impossible to find. Like there's nothing in the app. Like you'd never know. Yeah. You have like to I just work. go to sentence. Yeah, like I work. Um, Todoist, Todoist is actually an offender of this. It's impossible looking in the application to find out the like what they've added. You have to go to the settings screen to find them. Um, but they have given me the basic shortcuts that I was hoping for. 
uh, show me today like all the tasks I have today and show me all the yes. tasks I have for the next seven days is exactly what I wanted to build into. I mean, I have it so I could just call them up as simple shortcuts from Siri, but also to build them into the shortcuts app as well and like morning routine things, which everyone, all the cool kids are building morning routines um, <laughs> and like show me what I have today is a great part of that. So I very I like that a lot. It's a it's a good addition. You know, I'm using Todoist, and I was glad. I was can glad we to see that. can we just quickly mention the promo video that Todoist shared yesterday on Twitter? Oh, for- <laughs> you know what? So I tweeted this, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, because there, it looks like they have dark mode coming and like some other features. So they're using this like incredibly dramatic music, like the screeching um, sound as soon as it's like it's when t- they introduce the uh, the Mac Pro and the iMac Pro. <laughs> yeah, it's like Hans Zimmery type stuff. And I will say, in their defense, like the CEO of Doist tweeted at me because oh, no. I I said oh, this no. feels a tad too dramatic for a to do app, and he replied and said, "Just wait for our upcoming sci fi movie to do list, <laughs> Revenge of the Dark Side." And That's I, really I got to hand it to the guy. I got to hand it to the guy <laughs> because I'm making fun of his video and he's he, he's got a good job. He's owning it. So he's owning it, man. He owned it. I like that. I, I, you know, I was like, okay, like you got me. You got me. <laughs> but that video is ridiculous. However, I do really want Dark Mode and Todoist. So I will be happy when it comes, but nevertheless. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, we have one password. And I wasn't clear until this shipped, like what changed with the like keyboard password entry like Federico what does this do please teach me uh, you want to know about password autofill uh, which is a new API in iOS 12 for- is that something to do with Phil Schiller I always think that every time autofill it's like he just pops up and he's like I'll do your passwords for you anyway but move on I have a second resignation letter uh, today <laughs> yeah. uh, you can you can beam it to my Newton after we're done um, so in iOS 12 uh Third-party password managers can now integrate with the QuickType keyboard. So the QuickType keyboard actually means the Apple system keyboard, but they call it the QuickType keyboard. Um, Just like you can have iCloud Keychain in there, like uh, on top of the keyboard when you're filling a login, uh, now you can have data from third-party password managers in there. There are some limitations. Um... You cannot save new logins directly from the keyboard. Uh, you can do this with iCloud Keychain. Like if you log in into a web page uh, that it's uh, it's not already stored in iCloud Keychain, uh, the system will ask you, "Do you actually want to save this login?" But if you have one password installed as a as a password autofill extension it will not ask you if like hey do you want to save this in one password you can save new logins in the extension but at the point it means you just have a model window up on the screen and you can save in in one password the other you also when you bring up the 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 keyboard based extension the quick type based extension extension you can't copy information out of that yeah so this is sometimes with chrome things don't autofill right so with the old extension you can actually copy the password which i would do a lot uh, but you can't do that with the QuickType based one yeah uh also i i love the fact that apple is opening this up to third-party developers but uh there are still a few things that are nicer in in icloud kitchen like first of all i think it does a better job at detecting the default login for a website where maybe you have multiple logins or at least the most recent one. I don't think 1Password has a way to detect the most recent login that you use on a web page. Um, iCloud Kitchen does a better job at that. And also, um, 
I mentioned the inability to create logins, but there's also the fact that one password to allow you to fill uh, one-time codes for two-factor authentication, they need to rely again, you guess it, on a hack, which is the clipboard. So when you, mm-hmm. which, which is very nice and it totally works. Like um, when you use the one password in the, in the keyboard and you fill a login, like you fill the username and the password, the one-time code uh, will be copied to your clipboard so that on the next page you can just paste and enter the security code. Um, It would be nicer if this was also an API that the keyboard actually, uh, if the keyboard extension knew that there was a way to fill the security code, you wouldn't have to do the dance of opening the 1Password extension and seeing the notification come up that says your code has been copied to the keyboard. Uh, I think next year, either through Two things are going to happen, not necessarily together. Uh, Either iCloud Kitchen becomes a standalone app, uh, so like you have a Kitchen app from Apple, sort of like you do on macOS, and or Apple starts supporting one-time authentication codes natively. So you will have an option to uh, use iCloud Kitchen to authenticate with the six-digit codes that you can use for two-factor. Or is it two-factor? It's not two-factor, it's two-step, right? I always get it wrong. I think it's two-factor, maybe. I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm sorry. It it's one of those two. Um, I thought it was two-factor. Um, so, yeah, this is how it works. It, it works in the Apple System keyboard. It works in apps. It works in Safari. Um, if you use iCloud Kitchen, you get the extra benefits of being able to save logins. If you use 1Password and other password managers like Secrets or Dashlane or uh, LastPass, you will get the same extensions because they also support iOS 12. I found a kind of funny bug, which you've probably come across. If you try and create a new password in one password, the system keychain tries to fill the password. It's very strange. Have oh, you yes. seen this? Yeah, 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 totally. Like if you try and create a new entry, yeah. like the system's like, let me do that for you. It's like, no, you don't understand. You're not wanted here. Go away. I, I find that really funny. Mm. I, I don't know what's going on there, but it makes me giggle every time because it's like the the keychain is so excited about being able to create a password for me. Yeah. Can I, uh, can I, I have I, an extra pick for this list? Yeah. All right, so I want to mention an app that is going on my home screen as soon as I have the time to reorganize my phone. And the app is LookUp. It's a dictionary app. Um, and I really, uh, we, we covered it on Mac Stories yesterday. And I really like it because I've, I've always been looking for a dictionary app that would do two things at once. Uh, one of them is give, give me a word of the day. Uh, like, uh, as a non-native English speaker, I want to extend my, my vocabulary as much as possible. And mm. so I, w- I really like the idea of word of the day type of services, but I don't want to go to a web- to a website filled with junk and ads. Uh, and look up in iOS 12. Oh, this is so beautiful. Oh, it's very beautiful. It's very pretty. So it's a, it's a beautiful dictionary app. But in the old versions... I think it used to be more on just the the eye candy side. Like you had the word of the day, but not much else. Um, but now it's like a complete package in that you can you can have the word of the day, and every word is accompanied by these beautiful illustrations uh, and the definitions, of course. Uh, but also with the latest version, you can create collections of words. And so while I'm reading, I can add a word that I discovered to a collection and I can have multiple collections. So like words that I discovered while reading video game articles and words that I discovered while reading technology articles, stuff like that. Um, and also there's a like the, the, 
the type of data that you see when you open a definition is much, much uh, better in version 5. You have synonyms, antonyms, uh, you have, uh, I think, example phrases even. Uh, so it's really, really good, the data that you see. And every... Every feature of the app, so uh, the word of the day, collections, uh, liked words, uh, everything can be a shortcut. And everything can be either open in the app or displayed in Siri with, with a shortcut. It's really, really good. It's even got like this fancy, um, not not really useful, but also kind of kind of funny as a demo every once in a while, as like a look around you the dictionary. Like you can point the iPhone's camera at an object and get a definition of the object you're looking at. Uh, oh, very nice. It's, it's, but most of all, wow. it's it's beautiful, and in version five, it's actually like a complete dictionary app. It's not just beautiful. In the old versions, it used to be like, yeah, it's a beautiful word of the day. But now you can actually use it. Like as someone who who needs to extend to extend his vocabulary, like being able to have collections is amazing. And it's on the iPhone and the iPad, so this is going straight to my home screen. I just didn't have the time to do so yet. Uh, there's one last thing. We're not gonna get into this. You have to go and read about it. Um, it is possible to trigger IFTTT and Zapier actions mm -hmm. relatively easily mm -hmm. from Siri shortcuts, mm -hmm. which can enable you to do wild things like operate your Roomba <laughs> or set your Nest's thermostat temperature. How would you know? So, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, my, my Roomba, Robbie, uh, makes a, an appearance in the Max Stories article. So, it's this is amazing. Like, this is very cool. Like, it opens up to even more interesting wicked and wild support for what shortcuts can do so i recommend that so federico has the article about ifttt and zapier wrote their own which i thought was really funny um and kind of awesome so you can go and check those out so if you use those services you can you can you can connect up things that homekit can't support mm -hmm. so very 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 cool stuff all right, today's episode is also brought to you by Molecule. I'm sure that you've spent a lot of effort into making your home a comfortable, welcoming, and smart environment. You know, we all love great technology, obviously. But have you ever thought about air pollutants in your home? Because without them, you could sleep better, feel better, and live better as well. Molecule is the only air purifier that actually destroys pollutants. I want to tell you why that's important. Because more than 80% 80 80 of people living in urban areas that monitor pollution are exposed to air quality that doesn't meet recommendations set by the World Health Organization. And worst news is that indoor air can be up to five times worse than outdoor air. And if you hear this and think, well, I'd like clean air then maybe you need a molecule molecule features breakthrough technology that is finally capable of destroying air pollutants at a molecular level and there are many many happy customers are reaping the benefits with some people saying that they are able to breathe through their noses for the first time in years molecule has a clean design and focuses on a high quality experience but more importantly it's been tested by real people and it's helped some allergy and asthma sufferers cope with their conditions the molecule air purifier is whisper quiet energy efficient made for rooms of all sizes is portable and connected to the internet. You can control Molecule using its touchscreen display or remotely using the iPhone or Android app. So go and check out what the Molecule air purifier can do and you can also see how wonderful it looks as well. So go to Molecule.com. That's with a K. So M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com. Take a look around and when you make your first order, use the code CONNECTED to get $75 off. That's the code CONNECTED for $75 off at Molecule.com. Our thanks to Molecule for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, Stephen, your time is here. Uh, next Monday, Mac OS Mojave 
ships to the world. Uh, how would you recommend... Well, first off, do you recommend that connected listeners upgrade? And if they do, and if you recommend that they do, what are some things that they should be thinking about? Because, you know, I think that an upgrade to Mac OS tends to be... It involves a lot more steps than a, than a, an upgrade to iOS. Things are, can be a little bit more complicated. So what should people be thinking about? So all good questions my iPad using friend. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that your machine can actually run it. The system requirements have changed over uh, High Sierra. So if you were in sort of the, the older machine camp for Sierra and High Sierra, you may have been dropped this time, uh, including both my Mac minis. So... That's sad. My home server will be on High Sierra for the uh, for the time being. So check that. Of course, you always want to make sure... More like by Sierra. Are we doing this again? Federico, you can send in your third letter if you need to. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I will. So make sure you can run it. Uh, I have a backup. So things like Time Machine are always good. Backblaze is always good. If you really want like a belt and suspenders approach, you can always create a clone of your drive, which means that you could boot up from the external if something really goes wrong. There are a bunch of ways to do this. I like Carbon Copy Cloner. Uh, it's been the app I use for a long time. Super Duper is another option. Uh, so if you have another external hard drive, you know, and you really want to be extra cautious, that's a good way uh, to do it. Um, but I think most importantly is check the compatibility of any mission critical apps. So if you're just using like the built-in applications in Chrome, then you're fine. But if you're doing production work of any kind or you're doing anything sort of outside the the normal realm, make sure that your apps are compatible uh, with 10.14. You know, there there have been a few things in my workflow that have had to receive updates during the beta, including like Audio Hijack Pro and some of my editing tools. Uh, and they're all ready now. But, you know, just take an afternoon to kind of walk through your workflows and make sure that everything that you need is supported. This is not as big of a deal as it will be next year. This is the last year, the last hurrah for 32-bit apps. The system will, if you start a 32-bit app, will give you a warning uh, saying that this app needs uh, some attention. Go bug the developer on Twitter. Uh, I actually have only a handful of 32-bit apps that I use on any regular basis, and that number is shrinking. So uh, hopefully with all this lead time, there won't be many apps abandoned at this, but this is... Just like it was in iOS, this is a big change, and it's going to mean that some apps get left behind. Uh, this means all carbon apps are dead. Uh, rest in peace, James Thompson in the chat room, who has uh, some carbon code floating around, I think. So that app compatibility thing is a big deal. It's a really, really big deal next time. So maybe get in that habit if you're not now. Um, as far as if you should upgrade or not, that's a harder question. Uh, it seems like, especially over the last three or four builds, like Mojave Stable, it, it was rough in the beginning, but I've been using it a bunch. Uh, I know Jason Snell has been basically booted from it for a while now, and it's been fine. Um, so it's, you know, if your apps are compatible and your machine supports it and you have a backup and you want to do it, then do it. But it's it's not a groundbreaking change. You know, macOS is really mature. This is in line with other releases we can talk about the features if you want but uh i would say that you know if all those boxes get checked and you want to do it do it but there's no rush either i don't think there's anything mojave that's like a must-have right from day one what about someone like me someone like you or you in particular 
Just yeah, when I say someone like me, I mean actually me. Should you do it? The person uh, who is I, most like me. Are you still in Sierra? Are you upgraded at some point? I think I had to. There was a piece of software that forced me to upgrade to High Sierra. Yeah, I mean, I so I think if you have a production machine, which like your iMac you use for audio recording and editing and publishing, that's really all you do on your Mac. On a machine like that, I think the answer is always wait. Not just for Mojave, but like, so like for me, my laptop's on it and my iMac Pro is going to be on High Sierra probably for a couple of patches to Mojave. I'll, I'll jump in on like, you know, point one or point two just to give it some time because as wide as the public beta may be, there are always things that come up when it's in general release because everyone downloads it. And then we realize, oh, uh, the login system is completely destroyed like it wasn't high sierra or have these security updates like on a production machine so mike like your imac my imac pro i think wisdom says to give it a little bit of time i don't think there's anything wrong with that i don't think you're missing out on much unless you just really went dark mode uh, i think it's totally fine to give it some breathing room uh there are some nice features that you may enjoy like there's a lot of finder stuff in this release that's pretty interesting but like if your workflow work has worked for the last 15 years Without these new Finder features, I don't think it's going to like radically change your life now. It's probably unlikely that I would support, like, I would really adopt any of them anyway. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, what are some of the little Finder features that you have found the most compelling? I think the most, uh, well, there's dark mode, which uh, is not the most compelling one, but it's the flashiest because it literally affects everything you see on the screen. Uh, I, I mean, like about the, dark- the, the, Finder, the Finder enhancements, right? Because that's that, yeah. Yeah, so Finder enhancements are divided into a couple sections. You have desktop stacks, which, you know, the stacks have been on the docs. It's like Leopard, I think. You know, you put your downloads folder in there and they spring out. It's handy. I've got several. I use them all the time. You can now have those on the desktop, and you they can be sorted automatically by a bunch of different ways. So the default is by file type. So say that you have, you know, uh, 14 JPEGs, three PDFs, and four MP3s on your desktop. If you say load stacks, then you just have three icons and all the MP3s are together, all the PDFs are together, all the JPEGs are together. It's not a organizational change. If you browse in Finder to your desktop folder, they're not in subfolders. Like it's just a visual change. But it can be a way to group things if your desktop is messy. Uh, where it gets more interesting is you can you can sort them, you can have them stacked automatically by date created, date modified, uh, a lot more than just file type. So if you need to sort things in specific ways, or if you have a lot of stuff on your desktop, but you want it to look neat, this is pretty cool. And like a lot of people just store a bunch of stuff on their desktop and this could be useful to them. Uh, I think you can also sort into stacks by tag. So if you're a big tag user, uh, like that's the way you think about file structure and like organization, then this is going to be huge for you because you just have like a uh, a stack with all the tag stuff on your desktop in one place. So I think that's the most interesting. Um, I think the most powerful though, is something that Apple calls quick actions. So in the finder, there's now uh, a modified right sidebar. So that's always shown like preview of the file date, modified that sort of thing that now shows more metadata. So like um, th- that's improved a little bit, but then you have quick actions. And so what these are, uh, the Finder comes with several of them built in out of the box, and you can create your own in Automator. So say that like a common workflow for me is 
I have an image. I need to downsize it to like 2,000 pixels across to publish on the website. Uh, you can just open that and do it in preview. Or if you were a power user, you could create an automator script to do that and just like fire an automator action and, and do it. But now you can basically append those automator actions to Finder. So if I am previewing an image in Finder, the quick action bar now shows those custom automator actions to me automatically based on file type. So you could, you could go in and build your own custom automator actions. You can name them. You can give them an icon, give them a glyph, um, and they're available to you really quickly. So if you're using automator a lot or you want to start, now's a really good time because it used to be like you had to save the automator action as an application or know how to like launch it from the contextual menu, and now they're just exposed right in the sidebar. And I think that that is like giving automator a new uh, sort of a new breath of life uh, here, you know, years and years later after it was introduced. So that's really interesting. It's really powerful because you can do all this scripting now, basically just with the push of a button. I mean, very much like Siri shortcuts, like it's a nag, uh, like the analogy is the, uh, the wid, the shortcuts widget on iOS where you can drag, you know, slide over and you have, you know, six or 10 or whatever, shortcuts that are just from a tap of a button. This is like that, but they're contextually aware. So if you're previewing a movie, it will not show you the quick action to downsize your image. It's, it's smart about what you're viewing. And it's uh, it's really pretty cool. I'm looking forward to seeing how third-party developers, uh, they can bundle these in their apps like other extensions. And so uh, I'm looking forward to how uh, you know other developers kind of surface things in their apps directly into the Finder now. Is that something you you do really expect to see though? I think so. I think I think with this release Apple is Okay, let me back up for a second. So for a long time macOS updates were more or less like we're doing this on iOS and the Mac's going to get it too. Right? Like there was a lot of that and over mm-hmm. the last 4 or 5 years even longer. It feels like with with 10.14 Apple is saying the Mac is different from the from the iPad in particular, but different from iOS in all these different ways. And we are going to like really double down on the differences. So the iPad doesn't have Finder. It's got files, but it's not the same. It doesn't have a desktop. And the Mac does. And a lot of people use the desktop as their sort of operating, uh, their like operating room. Like that's everything on the Mac is just on the desktop. And so make that better. The Mac has always been a powerhouse for scripting and automation, and they're making that better and easier, like more easily surfaced. So I think I think this year they are making the Mac more Mac-like, and I think that Mac develop like real Mac developers, like like people who build like custom really good Mac apps, will support this because it's it's yet another way that the Mac is sticky to the people who still use it uh, every day in their work. And so mm-hmm. I expect we'll see them. I think that Mac developers are excited about um, about this sort of thing. Again, again, like shortcuts. Some new stuff to do, right? Like There's new stuff to do, finally. but it, it, it can surface your app in places outside of your app bundle, right? So right. I'm in Finder, and I can see a piece of functionality that you wrote as a developer. That's good for the developer. That's good for the application. And I think that is something that uh, will entice a lot of developers, or at least some developers, to uh, to, to take on. So yeah, so Mojave will be out on uh, on Monday. Like I said, I ended up not writing a review. I have coverage just going to be like scattered across multiple websites uh, that I've been working on this week. So 
Uh, we'll round those up in next week's show. Um, if you really went dark mode and your apps all work, then uh, then have fun, I guess. Uh, it'll be it'll be waiting for you sometime on on Monday. I forgot some really important follow up. Oh yeah did did we all get the phones we wanted? Oh, oh yeah. yeah 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 totally. Yeah. We're, we are getting the phones we wanted on Friday, right? All three well, of us, we got everything. There may be a slight situation with my delivery, but we'll see what happens. The, Is the bakery closed? I may have to play the bakery card because um, I'm not sure if I need to be not in my house <laughs> as I oh my. <laughs> as I okay. want to be. Uh, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make arrange, arrangements with the... With the UPS in Rome. Um, hmm. This is the benefit of store pickup, because you could have built it into your day. Steven, can you can you do the conclusion, Steven? Otherwise, Mike is just going to be, I told you so, store pickup. Uh, I, I never said in, that. I live I in never, London, I... Regent Street, blah, blah, blah. That's yeah. just, uh, <laughs> take the tube, yeah. get my phone. Take the tube, <laughs> we are NFC, wireless payments, and the Queen, all that British stuff. So I'm in the same boat you are, Federico. Uh, in-store pickup was not available to me in either color phone. I ended up with space gray just because of the my system of each device has a preset and I go with whatever uh, the Apple Store gods want me to order. So I went with space gray this time. I'm very excited about the band. Less excited about the back. So we'll see if that grows on me. But so I, I'm home delivery. Like I couldn't pick it up in the store. Uh, the problem is I have a lunch meeting on Friday with someone here in town. Generally, UPS delivers very late in the day in my neighborhood. You're leaving the house? Some, well, I'm getting to what I've done. I have created a <laughs> workflow for this. Okay. Usually UPS, like sometimes it's after dark. Like they, we are like, whatever the route is in Memphis, we are dead last on like my UPS driver's uh, route. And uh, it's always been that way in this neighborhood. We've lived here like five years. So I figure... I'm safe to go to lunch because he's probably not going to show up until four or five. And with a bunch of iPhones to deliver on Apple event days, he's always later because he has to deliver a ton. Like it really feels like days they, they ship iPhones. He always looks stressed and like, he's always hours late, but I know if I leave the house, I am tempting fate. And then I have to call UPS and I have to beg them, don't try to deliver it again on Monday. Please hold it. I will come to your depot at the airport with my ID in hand and I will receive it. I don't want to do any of that. So what my workflow is that I asked my very understanding, very forgiving spouse. It's not a workflow. <laughs> I've got to go to this lunch <laughs> meeting. Would you mind being home when uh, you know when I'm gone at lunch? And uh, in case UPS shows up. And so she agreed. And so my workflow is that she's going to babysit you for UPS. And I'm going to do something very nice for her as a thank you. So that's that's my that's my workflow. So much pressure on Mary. Right. That if no, but like if like she's in the she's something she doesn't hear the door. Right. Like it's just so much pressure. Maybe I'll have my uh, my nest cam on my iPad at lunch, like loaded up so I could be monitoring the front of the house. I'm it's doing a, an early, a, I'm early pickup, so I'll have my phone before everyone. Yeah, yeah, because you have the oh, tube. That's fine for Mike. It's London. Yeah. Mm, I live in a country with healthcare. I actually don't take the tube to Regent Street, but well, you know, well, whatever. We have Uber in London. And then, then. Nope, nope. I'm taking a big train. Well, I'm I don't taking, care uh, what you're taking. You're going to have your phone, and I'm happy for you. I have very <laughs> conflicted you. feelings right now. Mm-hmm. 
taking a rickshaw to the Apple Store. <laughs> Is that it? That's all we got. I feel like we've yep. been we've been doing a lot of podcasts. So uh, if you want to find links to stuff we've talked about, the articles we mentioned, the apps we talked about. YouTube videos, uh, reviews we watched, all that stuff is in your podcast player, but it's also on relay.fm slash connected slash 210. Uh, if you go to the website, you can do a couple things. You can email us feedback and follow up. We love email for feedback and follow up because it means I don't have to check Twitter. You can um, become a member there as well. If you want to support the show directly, there's a link uh, there to become a member. And uh, you can you know do all that stuff on, online. And uh, if email is not your thing, you can find us on LinkedIn. I think are we all on LinkedIn? No, yes. just me. Mm-hmm. Mike and I are on LinkedIn. You can you can send us messages on LinkedIn. You can follow don't us there. Do that, please. Don't do follow that. follow me on Instagram. We're we gonna do Instagram again. Okay, we'll do Instagram. I again. am. I'm doing yeah. it all the time now. Because yeah, as you're... well, like I'm gonna be I'm gonna po- I'm gonna be posting stuff when I get my iPhone on mm-hmm. Instagram. Are you gonna do an IGTV? You gonna probably not. I'll probably just keep it to stories. But mm-hmm. okay. Well, if you if you want to be with the cool kids arts, it's. That's not IGTV. No, it's you can, not, is it? That's really sad. Instagram. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find our emails. We're around. Get in touch if you have comments or questions about the show. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Away, Pingdom, and Molecule. You can learn more about them in the show notes as well. And until our next episode, gentlemen, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.